Grace and peace to you this morning. We want to welcome you here today. What a wonderful thing it is to, to come together and to worship God and to, to honor Him and to be in His presence. If you have a Bible, I invite you to open it to Isaiah chapter 12. Isaiah chapter 12. And so we're in this series of sermons um, based off the book of Isaiah, which is an Old Testament book. It's a prophetic book. And so the prophets were people who came and spoke the word of God, and that's what we're looking at. We're looking at God's word to this ancient people, but it is also a word to us. And so this morning we're going to be spending our time in chapter 12, which is only six verses. And so we'll begin by reading the entire chapter. It says, You will say in that day, I will give thanks to you, O Lord. For though you were angry with me, your anger turned away, that you might comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation, and you will say in that day, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples, proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. Let this be made known in all the earth. Shout and sing for joy, O inhabitant of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel." And so Isaiah chapter 12 is a, is a great chapter. It's, it's a chapter, though, that can be easily overlooked. It, you know, as we heard just a minute ago, it's a very short chapter, brief chapter. And it doesn't contain any of those memorable lines that we're used to hearing from Isaiah. Uh, one could, you know, be reading this book and just easily blow right past um, chapter 12. However, that, that would be a mistake because this chapter does a couple different things. It serves as a conclusion to the first section of Isaiah. And so in this section, we have been introduced to the prophet Isaiah. Uh, we have been reminded of the holiness of God. We have seen God on his throne and we know that he is in charge no matter what is going on in our world today. We've heard messages of judgment and hope. We know that the people of God have not always obeyed God. They have not always followed his ways. Uh, and because of this, they will be judged. But never, never are they left without hope. And we've learned that God is gracious and merciful and that he treats humanity better than we deserve. Now, the, the next part of Isaiah, the chapters that follow this chapter, um, they're going to focus on the judgment of the nations. And so we'll learn, learn in those chapters that, that God is not just the God of Israel, but God is the God of all that he cares for every person on this earth. But before God turns his attention to the nations, we, we have chapter 12 here. Uh, growing old is an interesting exercise. You know, it, it often causes us to reflect back on various moments of our life. Uh, 
And time can change the way that we see certain events. This is because we mature and we grow in wisdom. And so we're able to look back at events and circumstances in our lives and we're able to see them from a different perspective. And this happens to all of us. You know, we, we might say something like, I would like to have that moment back. Or, or I would like to relive that day. We see now how we would do things differently. We've thought about the words that we said and how we would change them. And we can see more clearly now and we would like a second chance. Well, something like this happens in Isaiah chapter 12. The people of God have not done what they should. They have sinned. They have fallen short. They have made bad decisions that have cost them greatly. They have not followed the paths of God. And now God gives them a glimpse of the future. He lets them know that in the days to come, they're going to look back at their time now and they're going to see their circumstances differently. They will recognize their pride and their selfishness and their greed and whatever else is separating them from God. That They will see that in the future, although they don't see it now. Um, listen to what the prophet says again. This is verse 1. You will say in that day, so he's talking about the future. In that day you will say, I will give thanks to you, O Lord. For though you were angry with me, your anger turned away that you might comfort me. Although they don't see it now, they will come to recognize the grace of God. And they will see God's hand in their lives and how he was always there for them. Maybe you've experienced this. I know I've experienced it in my own life. You know, we go through these moments that are challenging and we might think that God is distant, that God is far from us. But once we get through that moment, once we get some, some years between us, some, some time, we can look back and we say, oh no, God was there all along. He was there guiding me. In that day, they're going to better understand their rebellion. Right now, they don't understand it. They don't see it. They don't see how they're refusing to follow God's ways. But, you know, in the future, their eyes will be open. And that day, they will grasp their guilt. And also, they will understand God's forgiveness. And the prophet continues to reveal their future outlook and what they're going to say. He says, you know, in that day, you're going to say, behold... God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. They're not saying this now, but they're going to say it one day. The people of God will understand in the days to come that, that God and God alone is responsible for salvation. Assyria is not going to save them. God will save them. And because they come to this understanding, they will be able to fully trust in God 
rather than trusting God plus something else. That's often what we try to do, you know. Uh, we, we never stop trusting in God. We just trust in God plus, you know, something else. We think God needs a little help. Um, they'll also learn to fear nothing or no one besides God. And so Isaiah says there is coming a day when you will see things as you should see them. Because right now you are blinded and your fear has blinded you and your trust in, in things other than God has blinded you and your sin has blinded you and you cannot see what you need to see. But one day you're going to look back and you're going to see. One day you're going to look back and you will know. One day you will learn to trust in God and no other. And then your eyes will be opened and you will see as you need to see. And Isaiah delivers this message to the people of God in his day. But this is a message that is just as relevant to us today. You know, all of us can say, that, that how we see the world has changed over the years. But what we should consider is how our perspective will change at the end of our life or how our perspective will change when we stand before God. Because the things that we think matter to us now won't matter as much to us then. What we value now will probably not be what we value then. How we view wealth or how we view time or how we view possessions will likely change on that future day. And so we're going to see everything differently when we're standing in the presence of God. Now, in the next verses, Isaiah describes the result of our, being, of our eyes being open and seeing as we should see. And so, so when that happens, this is what happens to our lives. He says, with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation, and you will say in that day, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples, proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. Let this be made known in all the earth. Shout and sing for joy, O inhabitant of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. The wells of salvation are available to us. This was the message that Jesus brought us. It's the message that he delivers to uh, the woman at the well, but it's a message to us as well. We have been invited to come and drink. And when we truly grasp what it is that Jesus is offering us, then we're not going to sit idly by. We will rejoice. We will give thanks. We will call upon his name. We will 
tell others about him, and we will sing and shout. I think the problem is that sometimes we don't realize what we have. We have the greatest treasure known to humanity, and we can act um, at times as if it doesn't really matter. C.S. Lewis described it this way. He said, our desires are not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in the slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea, we are far too easily pleased. In other words, we are distracted by things that are much more insignificant than what God has offered us. We become enamored with things that will not matter in the end. We focus on the finite while God is trying to give us the infinite. We have time for Netflix, but not enough time to read our Bible. You know, we'll, we'll easily talk to our neighbor about football, but not about Jesus. We make sure our, our phone is always charged while spiritually we're running on fumes. When we are distracted by all these things that demand our time and our attention, we need to do like Isaiah did and remember what it is like to stand in the presence of God. Because our perspective changes in the presence of God. It is in the presence of God that we begin to see as we should see. And when we understand what God has done for us, everything that he's done for us, and when we begin to wrap our minds around that, and when we meditate on that, we will be filled with joy. And it won't make sense to outsiders because, uh, you know, worldly people will think that we're crazy. That they will wonder how we can be filled with joy and hope when the world is the way it is. And, but that's okay because we can tell them uh, it's because the source of our joy and hope is not based on anything in this world. You see, salvation changes us. It doesn't just save us. It transforms us. We become a different person. We come to know God and to have a relationship with Him. And because of this, we're never the same. The other thing we should notice about this chapter is that salvation should also cause us to be on mission. And so when we truly grasp what God has done for us, then we're going to want to tell others. We will love people just as God loves people. We will want uh, to see them saved. 
Uh, Isaiah presents a, a picture of people sharing the things of God among all the nations and in all the earth. And so this is not a secret just for ourselves. It's not a message that, that we sit on. We need to go out and proclaim it. We need to tell others about it. We become a, a people on mission, always looking for an opportunity to share the love of God with others. Wouldn't it be nice to know the future? If we knew the future, then you know, we could make decisions right now. That, that would benefit us in the long run. That's what we would do if we had that information. Well, Isaiah says we can know. He says in the future, we are all going to stand before God. And think about that for just a moment. And think about it not just here in this moment, but, but think about it in the days and the weeks to come and, and contemplate standing before God and then ask yourself, what really matters? And once you've contemplated that, begin to focus on those things. Some of the things that really matter in life are things uh, that are mentioned here in this text. They are things that, that might not seem all that important to us now, but they are things that can transform our outlook. What really matters, according to Isaiah chapter 12, according to God, is giving thanks. It's singing praises. It's proclaiming the name of the Lord. Not just here among Christians, but to the whole world. One of the greatest hymns of all time is Isaac Watts, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. Uh, the entire hymn, the entire song is a meditation on the sacrifice of Jesus. And at the end of the hymn, Watts ponders what our response should be to the salvation that is offered us by Jesus Christ. How should we respond to so great a sacrifice to so great a gift, to so great a salvation. What says love so amazing, so divine demands my soul, my life, my all. And so when we truly understand what God has done, not just for the world, not just for creation. What God has done for us, what God has done for you, what God has done for me, when we truly understand that, this is the only reasonable response. We give God our soul, our life, our all. We take up our cross and we follow Jesus. And this is the only life worth living. This is the only life that matters. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for um, the blessing of this day. 
We thank you for salvation and this wondrous gift that you have given us. Um, have you blessed us with life? But not only that, you sent your son here to this earth to die upon the cross, to overcome sin, to be raised from the grave, to overcome death so that we might enjoy eternal life. Father, I pray that we meditate daily on the sacrifice of Jesus so that we'll truly understand what you've done for us. Father, I also pray that we meditate on your presence and that we'll contemplate our circumstances based on standing in your presence. It's not about us. It's not about others. Father, we want to please you. And we're so thankful for everything you've done for us. We're so thankful for how much you love us and care for us and how you're with us, guiding us every step of the way. We pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.